What's up, y'all? This is John Ryan Cantu, and this is the JRC Podcast. God bless you. Welcome back, man. I I know that some of you might be thinking that I was the one that left and stopped doing the show. Y'all were faithful, man. If you stayed subscribed to the show since 2019, I thank you and I commend you. I have been praying over this new season. Um, I've always wanted to come back and have these conversations. I think they're so vital to the practicality of our Christian walk. And so I'm excited to be hosting this show again. I'm definitely busier now than when I stopped doing this show. So that'll be interesting. But I am on a mission. I am on an assignment to sound more spiritual. Um, I know that God is going to do something great through these conversations. And I don't want to take too long in my introduction. Formerly, the show was called Leading, the Christian Leadership Podcast. And we were talking to Christian leaders, pastors, Christians in business, organizational leaders. Uh, but my goal since day one was to always broaden the conversation to include more culturally relevant topics, Christian issues, theology, you name it. And so because of that, these conversations are a lot more free. Um, I'm not inviting guests because I have a particular agenda or I want them to talk about anything specific. I'm sure we'll have those. Uh, but for now, these are just conversations with fellow kingdom members. These, these conversations will go where they'll go. And they're, they're very organic, and um, they've been a lot of fun to, to have so far. Quick disclaimer, because these shows are more freeform, they do sometimes venture off into some topics that might not be appropriate for kids. If I had to rate these shows, I'd say that they're probably PG. So still a Christian podcast, but you know, even within Christian conversations, sometimes you have those that are not the most appropriate for young kids. And so towards the end of this show, you'll hear a word that you might not want to have to explain to your kids yet. So you've been warned. Uh, other than that, I pray that you benefit from this conversation with my friend, Luis Romero. Here's the show. Luis, bro, I, uh, I just realized, bro, I don't know your last name, bro. Romero. Okay. I'm on your podcast, you know my last name. That's fire. Bro. I, <laughs> you I, don't I, need to know. You bro, have to know it. I've, I've, had your, I've had your contact for over a year as uh, Luis Siervo. Yeah, that's everybody. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a, in a bit, yeah, bro. Yeah, I go places and they're like, Siervo? I'm like, bro, I have a name. My name is Luis. You're even wearing it, bro. Siervo. Yeah. I go to places and people are like, Siervo? But I don't know my name. But that's kind of cool to be. That is cool. Right? Because that's what we are at the end yeah. of the day. We're servants. It's like, that's it. That's yeah. the message. Yeah. Praise God, man. You you live um, very close to, to where we're recording this, uh, my, yeah. ch my church, right? And um, how long have you been living here? Well, I've been over here two years now. You're not Houston native, right? I've been in Houston 10 years now. Okay, 10 years. But yeah, I'm from Oakland, California. I was born in L.A., mm -hmm. which is Santa Ana to be exact. But I was like two weeks old when I moved to Oakland. Mm -hmm. So I don't claim L.A. Like just to be cool. Like I'm from L.A. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, even though I, I was born there, I was raised in Oakland. Like okay. I was weeks old when I moved up there and I was raised in Oakland my whole life. And I moved to Houston in 2013. Okay. Are you into like the Oakland, like California nah. sports teams, all that stuff? Only Warriors. Only the winning teams, okay. bro. <laughs> I'm a Warrior fan. I'm a Seahawks fan because of my Sean Lynx. Uh -huh. We're from the same hood, same school, beast mode. Um, that's why I'm a Seahawks fan, and I like the Astros, bro. Yeah, so I got, a little got bit to, of bro. You got to. All right. So, so you've been here for for ten years. What's kind of your What's kind of your background? Kind of give us a little bit of of who we, of who the Siervo is. Yeah, man. My background. I am not a church kid. Okay. I didn't grow up in church. Um, I grew up in a very like 
strict home, but people, when they think strict, they think mean parents. I have very loving parents that just wanted the best for me and my siblings. I'm the middle child. The one nobody cared about. You know what they say? When you're the middle <laughs> one, nobody cares about him. Yep. I had an older I have an older brother, younger sister, only two years apart each. Okay. Um and yeah, bro, backstory. My whole life I wanted to be a surgeon. Like really I wanted to do a, be a surgeon. And I started because somebody gave me the uh operation game. Uh-huh. And I was so good at it. Like I wouldn't touch the metal part. I'm like, yeah, I want to do this for real. <laughs> and that's where I started, bro. I just wanted to be a surgeon. My parents paid for me to go to good school in the summer i would be at the moor like where the dead people are chopping up real brains like seeing dead people are you like, for real i loved Dang. it like i would intern i'm a teenager like i loved it um my whole life a lot of people don't know that i wanted to be a surgeon bro but that's my backstory and that's, then that's like serial killer stuff bro that's how that's how serial killers are born bro yeah and then i <laughs> and then and then the real serial killer began then <laughs> you know what i mean life happened parents get a divorce really like, I didn't care no more about school. Like, my parents aren't there for me to show them, like, this crazy project I did. Like, mm. I didn't care. Couldn't afford school anymore. Kicked out. Trying to hide the fact that my parents are divorced and this persona and just joined the wrong crew, bro. Like, it was just what's in front of me. I'm in the street, hanging outside the street because I'm not in school. What's in the streets? Mm. Not, whatever the streets fed me, I ate it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And I just... Fell into that lifestyle, bro. Very deep, super deep. Um, started making a lot of money selling weed, a lot of weed, a lot, like a lot. Smoked a lot of it, not in a boastful way. Like I look at people like to have an eighth an ounce of pound of weed, and they think they're the stuff. I'm like, bro, you're funny. Like mm. my parents, my parents to this day in Mexico. Like I go in and I'm like watering the weed plant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's just what I come from, mm-hmm. bro. Mm-hmm. But. That's a little bit on my backstory, and then my life was radically changed, bro. You ever tell Jesus, if you save me from this one, I'll serve you the rest of my life? Uh-huh. I think That's we all have that moment. I did that. I didn't even know who Jesus was, and he protected me from a situation that I was in, and the next day, I went back to doing what I told him I wasn't going to do, Ooh. and okay. I felt convicted. I think it's the streets <clears throat> of me, the Lord telling me, you could call it the hood, the gangster, the mm-hmm. code, whatever. Mm-hmm. Now I know it was the Holy Spirit, but there was something in me that every time I was slinging dope, like, I heard this little voice like, man, you're fake. Obviously, the Holy Spirit doesn't call you fake, but it was just mm-hmm. conviction of like, bro, what are you doing? Like, you said you wouldn't. So I walked into a church, happened to be a Christian church, bro, could have been a Muslim, whatever. I just found a church. It's a Christian church, heard about this man named Jesus, and I said, yo, I want that. And my life would change radically after that. And this was back in, this when you were still Oakland. in Cali. Okay. Yeah, I was back in Oakland. Um, so I, I, I'm I'm interested in that story. You just you just you just found a church like any church, or I just how, how found they... a church. It's crazy. Yeah, I love this stuff. I don't talk much about this. I just see Siervo and like, oh, mm-hmm. he has to come from parents. Oh, he has to come from like legacy. There's no mm-hmm. way. Look at how good it is. He's reaping the fruit of somebody else's yeah. prayers. Like, nah, bro. Like, I think I'm reaping the fruit of my own faith in the hood. Come like, on. that's the beauty of it. I don't think we gotta wait and our kids will see our fruit that's amazing mm-hmm. but I, I do believe like we will see our own fruit that like we put in the work for and i see that in my life bro like i literally just walked into a church matter of fact it wasn't even a church it was a bible college i don't know it was a bible college okay. but they will have like a thing for it's almost like a program a youth program but the people that were trying to get their degree in youth ministry will have to serve 
Ah. at this program like a hands-on ministry okay. so they just that's cool they were ahead of their time bro yeah like way ahead of their time and so what they would do is they would go to the schools and they would um mentor people or just tell hey they'll mentor you that's how they got into school mm-hmm. and then they'll have their like service which was youth service but they're not a church yeah. so it's just a bunch of students that want to pastor people and they're getting hours for it and we will go bro like I, me and my whole squad it was like 15 of us our gang members would go really? we'll fight bro like we were, we were organized because it was so close to the school like let's go there and fight there this was after I'm trying to figure it all out um, so I knew it was there but after that situation I was like man I need a mm-hmm. like I told Jesus and that's the only place that I know about Jesus because they were trying to tell us about Jesus. Yeah, so yeah. let me go in there. <laughs> and I finally paid attention. Because when it was time to go into service, like, we'll leave. Like, yeah. we'll run out. We'll eat the pizza. We'll do the games. But like, hey, it's time for service. We'll leave. And I remember, like, hey, I know I told Jesus I would serve him. I didn't even tell him I was serving. I don't know what that meant. I was just yeah. like, just help me. And I went in there. I heard about Jesus. The next week, bro, I told the pastor. And I said, hey, I don't have nowhere to go. Mm. And to them, they're like... Bro, we're just students. <laughs> and I'm like, nah, you told me about Jesus, dude. Like, you told me. What's up? Yeah. You going to be here or you not? So they figured it out, bro, and I moved in. Like, I moved, moved in, with one, camp, I like moved in with one of the pastors, bro. Yes. I was in the, I was like the kid in campus living in the dorm. Okay. Like, uh, how old we broke so many rules, bro. Now, yeah. now that I'm talking to you, I'm looking at the hand of God on my life. That's <laughs> crazy. How, how old were you at that time? Bro, I was 14. I was definitely like 14, 13 years old. Okay. 14, 13 years old. Um, I had already gotten kicked out out of middle school. I'm in transition. I was in eighth grade, transitioning into high school, trying to figure all that out for what am I gonna do? Like, never been to public school since I was a young kid. It was the same people, same friends, small community, like a school of like maybe a hundred people. If you would say it wasn't even that much. Okay. Um, but so it was, it was really, it was like really communal, right? Like yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't really, would you describe it kind of as, as a typical church service or it was real? No, different? bro, it was okay. not, it was your typical youth service. Okay. Um, we didn't have church. There was no such thing as Sunday cause they didn't know either. They were just like, Hey, we're just doing this for hours and hands on ministry, but they didn't know they would stumble upon a Louise. Like, yeah. oh shoot. Like, okay. So now I'm. There, trying to figure it out. I'm in the dorms one night here, one night I'm sleeping with somebody else's at somebody else's house, and that's pretty cool. Li- man. Yeah, and with a duffel bag, bro. People don't know that. Like I paid my price to like, I wanted to live for God, bro. Um, I bought this banner and I wrote John three sixteen. I wrote the whole scripture, and I was standing in the bus stop with it, um, just like the the meme with the guy with the brown board with the brown yeah, cardboard. Yeah. Yeah, I do it. John 16 on the yeah. bus, and my people are like, dude, what happened to you tripping, bro? Let's go smoke. I'm like, I'm not smoking no more. Like, these are still my friends, these are still my dogs. Like, I didn't change that. Yeah. I learned how to adapt to I don't want to do that anymore. And they're like, Bro, what do you want to do with your life? I'm, I'm gonna be a pastor one day. Like, I would say that, bro. They thought I was joking. Like, I'd be like, I want to preach, bro. I want to tell people about Jesus. I better shut up, bro. Like, we, mm-hmm. we don't do that. Like, we're gonna get this money. I'm like, not me. I'm a pastor, bro. Like, I, that's what God's called me to do. I'm saying that in Oakland, bro. Yeah. If you really understand what Oakland is, nobody says that. Um, I'm not a pastor's kid, so it's not like I'm seeing an example of it. Right. But I just knew it at a young age and then. So how was that transition from going to, you know, making all this money, 
um, selling selling drugs, and then all of a sudden, now now you're not now you're not bringing anything in. Like how was I guess my question, my bigger question is how was that drastic change of you know the street life, and now you're you're living with a bunch yeah. of Christians. It's the only way out, bro. It's um, I'm living with a bunch of Christians. How was it? It was so. It was unreal. It was like, what am I doing? It was so hard. I wanted to go back to where my friends, um, living this lifestyle of reading the Bible every day. Like, what are we doing here? This yeah. is whack. This is boring. <laughs> but there was something in me that God was too real in my life, and He kept showing Himself to me. Mm-hmm. So that's what I kept wanting. So you were gravitating to God more to than God. more than the people. But these people were broke white kids, bro. With right. like they didn't look like me. I had more money than them. They weren't cool to me. I wasn't drawn to them. Like now we have church and we're drawn to well, how they are, how they yeah. talk. I'm drawn to a loo. I'm drawn to this church. I'm drawn to that. I come from a church, bro. When I did find church, was a house with no LED wall. Like mm-hmm. I was cooler than the pastor, so I wasn't <laughs> there for them. You know what I mean? If you want to put it in that terms, like yeah, yeah, I was just trying to get this Jesus, this God, and I think that's why what kept me there. Yeah, and the community that was so pure that they didn't have nothing but like we're learning this too, bro. Right. Walk with us as we learn. Yeah, they were learning at the same time. Literally, bro. Yeah. Literally, they were nineteen, twenty. 23 years old, the oldest ones, learning. And and I'm, the reason I'm asking is because, <clears throat> you know, Christians have a, sometimes a, a bad reputation of, you know, when you do community with them, especially when it's somebody coming in from the outside, you know, we, we have this, rep, we try to have this reputation of being loving people, but sometimes, you know, we miss the mark and sometimes... You know, you've heard the term church hurt, right? It's not God hurting you. It's, yeah. it's the people in the church. And so you're actually living with these people. Was there ever a moment where you're like, man, these Christians are, I don't know, man. They're, of course, they're worse than my, than my hood friends. Bro, I got my first tattoo in a dorm at Bible college. Okay. <laughs> like I come from the streets. I had any opportunity to get tattoos anywhere. And I got my first tattoo at a dorm. Like I would look at this, like, I thought this was a sin. I thought you don't do this. I thought this is not where we come from or what we do, but. There were definitely times I would see them. I would see the students drop out. I would tell myself, man, I'm more realer than y'all. Like, mm. I just, these are just thoughts that I have to myself. Like, dang, bro, only lasted one semester. Or that girl only lasted three semesters. Like, man, more people come in through here than they graduate. Come so on. I'm seeing that, bro. I'm a teenager at 16 learning that, bro, not everybody's built for this. So, come of on. course, I had the same people there that would tell me about Jesus become atheists, bro. But really? I'm like, and now they're telling me, hey, bro, everything we told you about ain't real, bro. It's fake. No way. You had that. I had that. I promise you. But my, I was building my relationship on God and what he was doing Come for on. me. I never based it on another man. That's why it's so hard for me to really also kind of put my trust on men because of that. Because my own pastors were like, hey, God isn't real. Like, they go atheist. I'm like, I love, like, I'm sitting there. I feel like I'm pastoring them. Yeah. Like, yes, he is. Like, I'm sorry you went through what you're going through. And I'm figuring Jesus out. That's why I'm like, and this is way before anything has ever happened in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm just still trying to figure out who Jesus is, bro. So, I've, of course, I've seen it. There were times where I'm like, this ain't it. This is fake. There were times where I'm like, bro, I need money. I need to do stuff. There were plenty of times. But God was so real, bro. He was so real. And I knew he was real, and mm-hmm. you couldn't tell me otherwise. So I just 
just kept running this that's, race. That's awesome, man. So you had a you had a re- real encounter with God, not just not just the church, which I think is not how a lot of people have it. You know, a lot of people come in, they're attracted right. to the church, attracted to the people, like you said, a cool pastor. You know, I just want to be around the, the cool pastor. The moment the cool pastor hurts you, yeah, you're at the door because Good you man. never had a real connection with God. Yeah, I had that real. But I also didn't hear a voice. Hey, Louise. Like, right, right, right. It was me walking my relationship and finding out who Jesus was and trusting him and doing all the corny stuff the students would tell me to do, bro. Uh-huh. I did it. <laughs> when they had evangelists come in, like, I would go to their chapels, bro. Like, I'm a teenager not paying for this stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I got Bible college way before it was cool to go to Bible college, yeah. bro. Like, you got this grown man, 60 years old, coming in to preach at a chapel, and I'm like... This 14-year-old sitting here, and he's like, I remember one day very vividly, bro, there was evangelist came, and he was preaching about the cloth. There was just this preaching about healing and preaching about the power of God and whatever, and it was too much for me to comprehend. And at the end, he had this little white piece of cloth that he gave to everybody. And he said, I want you to put this somewhere where you want God to dwell in. I was like, what the heck? I don't know what it meant. I don't know if it was some Pentecostal. I, we <laughs> could laugh at it now, joke at it, be like, that wasn't real. Mm-hmm. That's all I had. Okay. And I remember, bro, coming home, I went to home, to my house where my mom was living at because she was in a very abusive relationship. Her boyfriend, while I was beat her up, bro. And I took that little piece of cloth, bro, with nobody knowing, nobody knowing, and I put it in the mailbox. And I remember, bro, crying out to God like, man, God, if you're real, don't let my mom get beat up anymore. I'm in the hood, but three in the morning, could get robbed, could get jumped, just left Friday night YouTube, just finished mopping. I got a mouthful of gold, bro. Mm -hmm. I'm walking down the street to go to my mom's house three in the morning, and I put this little thing. I'm like, what? He told me to do this. Yeah. I believe you. And I put the little thing in the mailbox that nobody knew, and I said, well, he said put it somewhere. We got to draw. And I remember... And now there's no significant thing to that. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the scripture. Yeah. But I think it was obedience and my curiosity to God. Yeah. And he's looking at his child like, he's trying to get to know me. And I think that's why God showed up in my life at an early age. That's faith, bro. I think I think you can, like you said, you can look back at that and, and, and people might say, well, that's not, that's not biblical. That's not theological. It's not how you do it. But at the end of the day, like that's that innocent childlike faith that I think God desires and because you were obedient to that, I think God showed up r- real in your life. So I mean, that's a that's a great story. Um, <clears throat> and so, has after that, I guess your family are are they are they walking with God? None of them, bro. To this okay. day, I think I I say the beauty of it. It's like people to this day be like, "Man, bro, you your family," and I'm like, "Bro, I have no idea." We outside of Minute Maid turning up Seattle Fest, or we're yeah. doing worship nights, gathering the biggest churches in Houston. And I wish, bro, I can go turn to my mom, and my mom could be like, "Mijo, I'm proud of you." Mm-hmm. Or my dad will be like, "Man, I prayed for this, son. I don't got that, bro." Yeah. I come home and now I got my wife. Yeah. That can I lean on, but none of my family are safe, bro. Now my sister, through my consistency of living for Jesus, because they know me. Mm-hmm. After I was 14, I'm 28 now. I don't know how many years is that. I won't do the math. I suck at math. After years, mm-hmm. I think, that, oh, this is real. Now she, I would see her on her Instagram, like posting worship or sending me okay. videos of Stephen Furtick. Like, yeah. it just pops up on her feed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, listen to this person instead or watch this. Like, now the conversation is starting in 2024. And the year just started, bro. And 
this has been years. I get, I Dude, left in 2013 it. trying to figure out this Jesus thing. Like, yeah. So anybody who's listening to this, that your family's not saved or anything, like, yo, don't give up. It's yeah. not going to happen tomorrow. But with families, always harder because they know the true us. Yeah. So they want to see how long you're going to last. That's exactly And it. be consistent. And I said, that's how I'm going to be able to win my family. But also have the peace that if, it might not be you. Yeah. It might be through somebody else or through their own circumstance that they come to find Jesus. Mm -hmm. But they will definitely look at your consistency and see if, if he's real or not because yeah. they know the real you. So my family to this day, no, bro. My dad, they're still separated. He was deported, so he lives in Mexico. Okay. And um, my brother, my sister, and my mom live in Oakland, California. Um, but, okay. yeah, we didn't grow up in a very religious home. Yeah. I'm lying. We were very Catholic. I just remember okay, this. Okay. Was, bro, let me tell you this part. This is crazy. So we were so Catholic. My mom was a catechism teacher, I guess yep. you would say, where you got to, like, Say all your prayers too before you get a uh, your primera comunión, like mm -hmm. your first communion. Right. Like my mom was a teacher for that. You have to come and tell her all of your um, prayers, and she'll write them off. So every day we were over there, but I used to hate it. Like <laughs> we wanted to go to Chuck E. Cheese and be like, "Oh, y'all gotta come here first. Say, tell me all your prayers, and we'll go to Chuck E. Cheese." Like okay. So I remember that, bro. Now that I'm talking to, like yes, so much to where the point. I was the guy on Sunday mass at the Catholic church. Dressed in the white, like I don't know what you call it, with the incense, the little bell with the little incense that you burn, bro. That was Lou. I'm like, what the heck am I? Mind you, that was way before. Oh man, we need some pictures, man. Yeah, this was like way before any of this, bro. Like I'm probably eight years old. I'm this little kid walking around with the incense, ten years old, and it was a very Catholic home. But I never, and nothing never clicked. I never felt nothing, yeah. even though we were there almost every day, bro. Yeah, um, yeah. But dang, I, I didn't think about that till now, bro. Yeah, we were definitely religious. It, if you well, want is to say. she is she still? Uh, yes, my mom. Yes, Catholic, bro. Yeah. My mom's still Catholic to this yeah. day. Um, I think now she's. Ex I would say the word is exploring Christianity. Okay. Because I look like um, my family just knows I love God so much, and when they try to tell me pray, can you pray for us? I'm like. I always kind of debate. I'm like, yo, why are you praying to a saint uh -huh. or the Virgin Mary? Like, I love her too, and I love them. But, like, you do know you have access to Jesus. Yeah. That's how the gospel I share with them is, like, we don't have to burn incense. Right. Tia, like, my tia has a lot of tumors in her head. Mijo, pray for me. I said, you pray to Jesus. I said, I guarantee you Jesus will heal you if you start praying to him and not these saints. Ay, Luis, porque eres así. <laughs> <laughs> nunca, nunca quieres orar por mí. No, nunca quieres rezar por mí. Yo no voy a rezar, voy a orar. Yeah. Like the difference of it. And yeah. they know that. Like, So all my family is Catholic, okay. bro. So, But you yeah. said something that's so so true, man. And I, I try to encourage people all the time because we have people and we've seen them come. Um, most It's mostly women. It's mostly wives. They're coming to church without their without their husbands, mm -hmm. right? And they're they're bringing their kids and they're being faithful. They're, we have one person in particular that I, that I always... Um, think about she's our she's our women's leader now here at a church but i mean bro she was coming for years and, and just holding it down bro just coming and and bringing her kids three kids three boys believing that one day her husband you know is gonna is gonna show up uh, yeah. with her to church and praise god man a few years ago he did he got saved he got yeah, baptized yeah. now he's working with us like man and that's just such a, a powerful testimony of consistency you know and um you said it like i think family members are waiting they want to see the real change, right? Yeah. Because you can you can go home at the end of the day after service and, and still be 
you know, the person that they know yeah. who you are, right? But once they start seeing, like, like Jesus is transforming this person, I think that kind of, um, yeah. that, that it cuts a little bit deeper. So I think yeah. that's really important. And, and I think, um, man, I'm, I'm believing that your family is going to come to Christ, man. Right, man. You know, I'm, I'm believing it for my family, bro, as well. I mean, that's, that's all we got, man. Yeah. Just that, just that hope, just that faith. I always say we're the evidence, bro. We're the evidence that people are looking for. Like, yeah. we are the best evidence. When somebody says, prove to me God is real, right here, bro, go look at my life. But yeah. if there's something where I'm not living right, I'm, I'm no longer the evidence. Mm -hmm. But I think we can be the best evidence that Jesus, that God is real. Yeah. Um, but it just comes with yeah. consistency. Well, and you also broke something in your family, bro. You, you broke... Uh I mean, I don't know if you want to call it like a generational curse. If oh, I, most definitely. You broke it, man. Like you and your wife, you're starting something and, and you're going to build a family that's going to be uh, raised up in, yeah. in godliness, you know? But I was, all my cousins, all my uncles, like, I don't remember who was married. I remember I got married last year. I just completed on the 12th to the 16th, I believe. It yeah. was my first year being married just recently. But... None of my cousins, I didn't grow up from like marriage, like seeing marriage. I grew up from seeing uncle and tia together for years with kids, but never marriage. Yeah. I never grew up seeing that. I never went to a wedding from a family member. All my cousins found a little shoddy and they got with them, moved in together, have kids. Yeah, I don't ex know what it was to propose. I didn't have my dad. Well, how do I talk to it? I had Jesus, bro. Like, mm -hmm. I had to figure it out with God and God alone. Like, it's so hard, but it is doable. Like, I had to figure this whole thing out. I remember, bro. Going to go look for a ring, and I was depressed, crying. Like, where's my dad? Why am I looking for a ring alone? And why can I not buy the ring that I want? I wish my dad was here to say, Mijo, how much you got? That's how much you got? What ring you want? I want that one, pa. Okay, I got you. I'm gonna put the rest. I didn't have that, bro. I'm sitting at Jared, bro, going through the, this crisis in my life, and the mm -hmm. lady's looking at me like, what the heck? And I remember, bro, I'm like, no, this is not true. I don't have that, but I have brothers. And that's when I call Abraham. Mm -hmm. I said, yo, Abe, where you at? I'm at the church. Hey, bro, I, I just need you to pull up to Jared. Why? Just pull up. Now I have... So we need to learn how to replace lies with truth, bro. Come on. The enemy will yeah. tell you you don't have nobody. The devil will tell you you don't have nothing and you can believe it. But we got to... We got to pick our face up and punch back like... Yeah. Bro, you're lying. I do have somebody. Hey, where you at? I'm at church. Well, leave whatever the heck you're doing and pull up to jail. Why? It's weird. Bro, just come. Now I'm there and I'm like, okay, like, what is it, Lou? What you want to do? Bro, I want to get this ring. Okay, where's your budget? This is my budget. We figured it out and I moved on. But if we don't learn how to call our people, bro, yeah. and say, yo, I need you in this situation, then we're just going to believe that. That's so true. And I, I bring that up because that was marriage for me. I didn't, enemy told me, you don't have nobody. I didn't have my dad. I didn't have my parents. They didn't, we didn't do the traditional, or your parents pay for the wedding. Like yeah. I had to hustle, bro. I had to sell Seattle <laughs> search, bro. Like I had to make this happen, but I had to also replace every lie with the truth. Yeah, and that's so what good. the Bible tells us to do. So marriage was so hard, but then I see the fruit of it. I'm like, man, I'm gonna get married, but nobody in my family's gotten married. My parents are divorced. Like, what is this thing going on? And the beauty of it now, bro, like after I proposed, my brother proposed. Mm. I got married, he's married. And oh, I'm like, yeah? thank you. Like, it sounds rude. I hope my cousins will do that. Yeah. I hope my family will follow that. But in our married, I could say that my and my brother are not married. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, we've have had our wedding, we have gotten married. And I know that God honor that, and I know they see that. But it's hard, bro. It's hard for a lot of people, but yeah. the enemy would lie to you 
oh, all yeah. day. And I was like, but that comes with mature. People say, oh, with well, maturity. No, I don't think you need to be mature to know that that's a lie. But it comes from us saying that's, I got it. The only way to overcome that mentality that I've learned for me, and it's different for everybody, it's literally been, man, like, that's a lie, and I need to replace it with the truth. Yeah. And I called Abe, and he pulled up, and we did the whole ring thing, figured it out, and I moved on, bro. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah you, broke, you broke something, and you started something new, man. And, yes. Um, any, any, any kids in the... In the future, no kids right now, bro. <laughs> Not right, right now. now, I'm like, heck no, nah, bro. Right You've now, we're young, we want to travel, bro. That's we want to, we know what comes with the kids. I've been around so many kids, bro. People, <laughs> people tell me, like, man, Lou, you're gonna be a great dad, man. Lou's great with kids. Like, I just been around them because everybody in my life has been older, bro. Mm -hmm. So, I'm in the crib and I'm holding their kids, I'm changing the diaper, or yeah. I'm like. So, I, I'm ready for that season. I can win when it comes, but not right but now. But not, not yet, bro. Yeah, not yet. But that's awesome, bro. I mean, you got you got a great testimony, man, and it's and it's gonna be something that, you know, your 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 kids they're not gonna be able to say or ask those same questions that you were, right? Because you are gonna be there in a real way that is that is godly, and I think that's just it's it's just so powerful, man. It's just so powerful. Me, our, our stories are different, right? I I do have I come from, you know, I'm a fourth generation pastor, you yeah. know, like my. I, w I was raised in the church. I was dedicated by my grandfather right here in this building right here. Wow. Like, I mean, I've been here all, all my life. And I have, obviously, I have people in my life, like my parents, that I can, that I, I, I was built up on, you know, their, their faith. Um, and there's, there's some things to that, too. Like, sometimes you kind of grow up on borrowed faith, right, where God's not real in you, but you think that he's real in you because he's real in somebody else. That's a whole other thing. But, um you're going to be able to provide something real and authentic that comes directly from God to your kids. And that's, you know, it started with just your, your yes to God. So that's awesome, bro. And I, I love hearing testimonies like that because I think a lot of times for a lot of unbelievers and we have them here, bro, they're coming to our church. Yeah. We, we, we have them where they're the first um, ever to say yes to Jesus. You know, mm -hmm. they don't have, they don't have family members, they don't have siblings, they don't have parents that are godly people and they're struggling. They're struggling like, man, I'm the only one over here on a Sunday morning. Yeah. You know, my, 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 my folks want to, want me to be over here at this family, whatever function. And I'm over here trying to be faithful and it's so hard for them. And many times they go back to that because like, they don't feel like they have a, they have enough here. Right. Yeah. But then you have the real ones where like, you know what? God is going to be the one who's, who's keeping me here. I'm, keeping I'm not here for anybody else. I'm here for, for God. And obviously the beauty of the church is that we come in and, and we right. disciple and, and we care for people. But um, I think that's just a great testimony for anybody who's kind of yeah, dealing bro. with that. And I, You were saying that. That's really quick so we can move on. But I wanted to encourage like if there are pastors listening to this, like, have a double cup of grace or whatever you want to call it for that person oh, that yeah. is the first generation. Shed was his only where it's at today, bro, because people had so, so much grace on mm. me. Like, they were like, dude, we keep telling you. But they understood. But this guy is in no church. Yeah. This guy could be doing everything. He's here trying. So, passive, you're listening to this. Um, and you have those people coming to your church. I know it's hard. <laughs> I know you want to give up. I know you're like, bro, I've tried everything. Don't, don't, yeah. don't, because they didn't do it for me. Yeah. They had extra grace, and look, bro, it paid off. Yeah. But that's not the case for everybody, but. It's not. 
but I mean, I think that you need to find a, like a good church too that that embraces that. Like we have to embrace the troublemakers. You know what you I'm saying? You have to. You have to because if not, then they're, we're going to keep them out of the kingdom of yeah. God. You know, I heard somebody say like we we treat church as something that is harder for people to get into than the actual kingdom of God, you know, mm -hmm. like we make more rules than, than yeah. God makes, you know, and we, yeah, we have to have grace with people and understand that they're going to mess up and they're going to say stupid things. And, but that's just, that's the part of growth, man, you know? Yeah. So no, definitely hundred percent. And so how did you, um, how did you get into Seattle's Seattle fast? And what did that kind of start out looking oh, like? Oh, I'll be honest. I always thought I got into Seattle's, but now that I'm sitting here and having this conversation with you, I'm really like going back to my roots and like God is showing me that this is where it started. I can tell you all oh, it started with me and Joey and eating tacos and planning a conference. But it really started at a Spanish church, bro. It was an Assemblies of God church in Oakland, California. Mm. So me and my boy, he used to go to the youth group I was going to, which at the Bible College, because the Spanish church didn't have nothing booming it was just whack over there it's just the truth <laughs> so he would go here but on sundays i would try to go to his church um but it was so religious like i had long hair and they kicked me out and said mm. i couldn't be there but i never it never got to me bro like the spanish church had never accepted me for who i was now that i'm like see it i'm like okay i understand it why but back then it, i was not offended i'm like bro whatever i was kind of like you guys are missing out you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying but i was like cool i can't be because i got long hair or I always wear black. It was the color of our gang. Like, that's all the wardrobe I had. I didn't have money to buy new clothes. But his church had something, bro, called Disciple Warriors or Disciple Soldiers, whatever it was called. Mm -hmm. And we would grill burgers and go to this park in the hood, bro, in the hood. I won't attend the church, but I go to the hours. And they knew I was down. And I'm going to talk to anybody about Jesus. And at that point, I was 16 years old, and we all had our Disciple Warriors shirts. I posted a picture of it on Instagram where I'm talking to the Spalatero man, and you mm -hmm. can see how I'm dressed, my long hair. Like, you could just see, oh, dang, boy, you could tell he was deep in the game. <laughs> but it started there, bro. Seattle was literally began from packing up hot dogs, grilling burgers, taking, taking, um, the bus there, doing whatever I had to do to get to the other side. It's like going from, like, Southside, bro, to Cyprus on the Metro bus. Okay. Like, I'm yeah. deciding that on a Saturday when I could be turning up with my cousins in my garage, sniffing coke, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get on the Metro, go all the way to this park, bag up hot dogs, grill burgers, and tell people about Jesus. And it's me and my friends on a thing. I think the name was so corny, bro. Disciple Warriors and we're his soldiers and we're telling people about Jesus, but it's just teenagers and we're going hard for Jesus. That's where my hunger grew mm. for serving mm. Siervos. Because it was all I could do was serve these people where they were at. Serve the paletero man with prayer. Serve the guy that hasn't eaten with a hot dog, with a with a grilled cheeseburger. Like, he's so happy, bro. Can you put an extra piece of cheese? But I got to. See, I'm going to put three on there. Like, just serving that by so much joy to me. And that's when I figured out my purpose without knowing it. Years later, I moved to Houston. I'm in Bible college, which is why I moved to Houston. I meet Joey, my best friend. We go eat tacos. I feel like God's telling me to do a conference. We do a conference called Young Light Conference. We're at CT Church, shout out Don Norton, gave us the keys to the building, thinking nobody's going to come. Over a thousand people show up. 
The next day I'm in trouble. And I always share this story because it's like, you needed to have maintenance. You needed to have security. All the things that come with church that I had no idea about. And I don't blame them. Like, they didn't think we were going to have that many people. Me and Joy were the greeters. We were the hosts. We were the pastors. We were security. We were media. We were production. We did, I promise you, if you were there, you know. And there's kids to this day that were at the first Young Light conference that have been following us for a while. But we didn't know it was going to be this. We, we were consistent with the conference. I didn't want to do it. Joy could tell you I hated it. I hated it. I didn't want to do this. I'm like, why are we doing this? I don't preach. I can care less about conferences. But he would tell me, bro, you don't understand it, bro. You're not even from Houston, bro. There's people like, bro, trust me. I don't come from church. I'm in Houston. I know mega church for the first time in my life. Yeah. And he started telling me, bro, you, there's a hand on your, there's a hand on your life, bro. Like God loves you. Please don't stop. So I thank him for that. I thank him for best friends, bro. That literally yeah. saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself and didn't hate on it. Yeah. Because he's a pastor's kid, and he could have been like, bro, how come I don't got this? Or this is what I've always dreamed. Never always championed me, put me in a position to win, bro. And 2020, I felt like the Lord told me, just change the name. Change the name. And I'm like, to what? And I was like, what? Well, how did it all start? And it was that. Well, we just started serving. We just wanted to serve. Mm. The name was called Young Light because we wanted to be a light and we were young. And there was a conference. God told me in 2020, change the name. I'm like, okay. And I've been praying, praying. I'm like, we're servants. And I'm like, bro, servant sounds whack, bro. <laughs> servant sounds whack. So I go back to the drawing board. Well, we serve. Who do we want to reach? Who I am? I'm a Latino, bro. That would join the cartel. That left the cartel. Whose parents were divorced. Whose dad was deported. That I'm raza. Like I. That's where I come from. Like that's me. But the white community loves me, bro. The Caucasians loves me, and I love them back. Like I can, like I do that. But I was like, Latinos. What if we just switch servants to siervos, bro? I want to be able to build something. For the Spanish church that kicked me out, that never accepted me because I had long hair, I want to reach that person. And it all clicked. Prayed about it. I told Joy, siervos. He was like, bro, that is legendary. So it's just little me, me and Joey. I said, bro, let's do it. We're going to change the name. We're going to call it siervos, and it's going to be a festival now. And, bro, over 6,000 people show up to our first festival. And we have been doing On it. your first one? Six? Yeah, that was a festival. But we've been okay. doing... The conference is 2014. Yeah. I have Von Juan. I don't know if you know yeah, Von yeah, Juan. Know. He will tell you. He's like, bro, he, Von Juan, anybody can see the growth and the consistency in my life other than my spiritual parents and Nida and Jerome Hill and my wife and Abraham and Joy. It's Von. Mm. Like, bro, he he's seen it, the whole thing. He's seen it change from Young Light to Siervos. Boy, all we did was change the name. And instead of a conference, we just made it a festival. Over 6,000 people show up. And now I'm like, whoa. And so where do you have this, the first one? We had the first one at Encourager parking lot. Okay. We were at the parking lot. Were, were you expecting 6,000 people? Heck no, bro. Never, never. First of all, I had two cops. Two <laughs> cops would just say 100 people per cop. I think sure. that's a thing. You know, church. Yeah, yeah. I had two cops, bro. We didn't have, we had the property. We did not have the parking, bro. I have people running. I have videos. I have, one day, I hope we make a movie about this. Like, just like for real, because mm -hmm. this is crazy. Not even just boastful. Like, this is stuff that's like, this is God. Not even just us. Like, 
But there's people running in the neighborhood videotaping like, man, we're late. And they're trying to find where the heck is mm-hmm. Seattle Fest. Mm-hmm. We're in the back of a property. There's people parking in neighborhoods, bro. There's people parking at the hospital. I'm having to make announcement. Hey, your cars are being towed. It was a mess, bro. It was a mess. It was raining. It was <clears throat> pouring down. When we started, it was 30 people. And I did not do what a lot of people do, but when they do events and it's not successful, they say, oh, it was for the one. Mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. this is what God wanted. No, he didn't. We could have been more wiser and s- spent a lot less money <laughs> and we could have went out to eat and went to a movie theater <clears throat> and taken those 30 people out. I didn't do that. I didn't downplay it. I prayed, bro. Me and Joy got together. I said, bro, I know. I heard God. No. But it was raining, pouring down 30 people. We got people are there, like it's gonna go. I don't know what happened, bro. The rain literally stopped in mm. the be- in the beginning of the first set. The rain just stopped, and the people just came from everywhere, bro. Like literally everywhere. And we're like, whoa, there's six thousand people here. How do we handle this? And all we wanted to do was bring artists, and I just wanted to preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. Artists came. I preached the gospel of Jesus, bro. Like. I was in my bag, like, tell people my story, like, in my element. Like, this is what I've dreamed of, not to 6,000 people, but people don't know I've been doing this in the schools before Sierra's. They don't know that I've been with Young Life in Southwest Houston where nobody wants to go and telling people about Jesus. Mm-hmm. They don't know that I've literally buried four kids that were in a cartel while I'm trying to tell them about Jesus. All of that before we get to this point. Like, yeah. you put in the work, bro, yeah. like... Yes, it's this, but it's also like I'm trying to learn and steward the gift that God has on my life. And this was just, it was totally different. To answer your question, no, bro. We had no idea. Nobody had an idea it was going to be 6,000 people. Nobody. We didn't know. We were in a lot of trouble with the city, though. Like, we had so many fines <laughs> that you don't even want to know about. So many permits we didn't have, bro. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, and, and so <clears throat> did people receive Jesus that day? Yes, bro. Yeah. People, that, that's, and that was that's the gotta best be the moment that, yeah it's gotta be the moment it's like oh bro. my god okay so I'm gonna explain that like Siervos is not entertainment bro ooh I've never talked yeah. about this yeah Pastor, I wanna, I wanna get into it oh yeah. my this is it this is the bread and butter that I've never talked about that I wanna talk about bro and if we have to leave we'll shut it down but it's this is you, you let the, me know when you're about to yeah, spit this fire this is the bro, good bro. stuff like <laughs> when you just asked me but the people give their life to Jesus and were you excited yes but Siervos is not an entertainment company, bro. I managed Social Club for seven years. I was on the road. I saw all of this, and the whole time I'm there, I didn't care, bro. People look at Lou, and they're like, man, bro, he's mean, or he's hard to get to, or he's like, he's not approachable. It's just like, I'm very, and I be in my own world, like, why are we here? All of this is like vanity, bro. And I would be on the road, and people be like, but you know who you just sat with? Well, you know, I'm like, I don't know. I don't care. Mind you, I'm not a church kid. Yeah. I don't know that I was just with Kurt Franklin and Toy Kelly. And I can name drop all these artists. I have no idea. But <laughs> Siervos, God told me the whole time, you're not going to be here forever. I just have you here to learn something. Mm. That's why Siervos came about. I'm on the road for seven years, bro. Learning artists, learning how to get stages, learning how to do the whole production. So when it comes to Siervos, we knew how to do it. Yeah. And we just did it in the inner community, in the inner city where they weren't doing it at. We do that, people get safe, but Siervos is not an entertainment company. This is why Siervos is not an entertainment company. Because we don't sell tickets. The moment we sell tickets, it becomes entertainment. 
because now you're paying for a service. Sure. You're paying to be entertained. We have never sold general admission tickets. We've sold VIP tickets because we understand that the Christian is coming and he wants to meet the artist. But we've never sold general admission tickets. That's why we're not an entertainment company, bro. Mm. If we were an entertainment company, we'll sell tickets. If we were an entertainment company, there's so much more. But why Seattle was a ministry? Because, bro, people don't know that we're busting in kids from group homes. People don't know that there's people in there from, like, retention centers. People don't know that I gave away so many, like, all-access passes to small Latino churches, which I have a heart for, that I love, that they don't have nothing to do. They don't have the money. They don't have the resources. People don't know that there's buses coming from New York City, from Oklahoma, from California, youth groups that don't have nothing to go to. But the reason why Fest is free because we want this to be ministry, bro. They don't can't afford a summer camp even of $100, but what they can't afford is to do a car wash, get a hotel, and fill up the van with gas and come to Sierra Fest and hear the gospel, bro. Where there's people literally saying, I've never heard of Jesus. When there's people coming in and saying, yo, what is, what is this? The craziest thing to me is when Paul Wall, bro, drove up after Miel San Marcos. Before Miel San Marcos, he's like, but it's a Christian event. Because I knew Paul Wall because I was doing outreach. And he was like, bro, there's no way, Louis, this is Christian. I'm like, bro, it's Christian. I promise you, you're going to go up this like, you told me it's a Christian event. I said, it is. He's like, I've never seen something done so well at this capacity. I'm like, explain that to me, Paul. And Paul's telling me, bro, look, like, it's legit. There's a real stage. There's real offices. Like, it's real production. It's not like a corny. I'm not coming for people that don't have the budget to do these things. But in his mind, it was like, bro, this is a real Christian event. And we did that. But all of that is free, bro, and we do it for free so that people that don't know Jesus can experience Jesus at a high level. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to give you, I don't want to present to you Jesus in, like, a way that he's not. You know what I mean? But that's just what I've thought. People can disagree with me. People can be like, yo, we're doing the best of what we got. Trust me, I know. I did the best of what I got. Mm-hmm. We were selling brisket, bro. We had a rapper... I won't name their names because I don't want to belittle them. Like, we can't afford... These people were doing it for free before we ever were able to book artists. Like, uh-huh. we were at a church that was falling apart when I first did like, conference, bro. Like, uh-huh. we were doing what we got. But when it came to Seattle, so I was like, bro, I want to be able to present Jesus to believers the best way I can because the world is doing a great job at it. Yeah. So how can I tell you, yo, listen to Lecrae when Drake is killing it? I cannot tell you, yo, listen to Andy Mino when 21 Savage vigils are just going crazy. Mm-hmm. How can I tell you, come to my church and come to a concert when Travis Scott is raging? I'm not trying to be like the world, and people know that. I'm a very, I don't have, I'm not in this fine line. I'm not walking on ice, on eggshells. Like, I'm straight about Jesus. I don't do it. Like, yeah. And people would take that as like, well, why do, why do you go so hard about that, Lou? Don't you think you're prideful? Like, yo, you, don't you think your season is going to be up? No, I don't. I don't think I'm prideful. I take pride in what I do, bro. Mm-hmm. And I take pride that there's people that can come in and say, I can't rage with Travis Scott because I don't agree with that. Sure. And because my family will never let me do that. Yeah. And because I believe in Jesus. Yeah. But I love the fact that I can come and rage to social club and pizza party and have that aspect of it. And do it with brothers and mm-hmm. sisters, where people still don't agree with and say, that's the devil. But there's entertainment, bro. And I think it stops being entertainment. I think it stops being ministry 
the moment we stopped taking a paycheck. And I wrote that yesterday because I've had artists tell me, well, bro, we're not coming because we're not getting paid this much. I understand it. But what I hate, what I hate is when an artist tries to tell me, well, I got a family to feed. Well, I got a family to feed and you need to honor me. And it just, bro, I guess this rage in me because I'm like, imagine Jesus saying like, well, we're not going to go to that side of town and preach the gospel because we're not getting paid. Mm-hmm. Well, we're not going to go over there because I got disciples to feed. Well, yeah. me and I got 12 of them. And we can't come to that side of town. If you don't got 12 Chipotle bowls for us, yeah. if you don't got 12 for us, we're not coming. <clears throat> if you don't got a tenure, if you don't got 12 flights for all of us, then we're not coming. And Jesus is the best example, bro. And I think right now there's this Christian church pastor celebrity that we can make so much money mm-hmm. off of this. And I live a certain lifestyle. I have a gold chain on my neck right now. They can't see it. I have gold. I come from this though. But I also hustle for this. People don't know that I'm literally making graphics for brands, that I'm making graphics for churches. Like none of this is Siervo's money. Like this is literally what I like. And I like to live that lifestyle. But I would never try to sell the gospel, bro, or tell somebody I charge five grand to come preach. Yeah. You know how stupid that sounds, bro? I charge 15 grand and then your excuse is, well, I'm leaving my family. And, and you should be paid. What's that scripture that be like? A worker should be paid. From Corinthians? Yeah. Bro, I'm like, dude, you got to be freaking kidding me. So you can't tell me you're doing ministry if you don't come without getting paid. That's yeah. entertainment. So we're not that, bro. And it's hard because, bro, I do the numbers. You do the numbers. Yeah. 6,000 people times $80. We could easily do that because it's Christian music festivals. But we don't because our goal is like, bro, there's people that are walking in here that don't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And our goal is also, bro, for like people that want to invite their friends to church, that sounds so cliche, which they won't, they will invite them to siervos. And our goal and our encouragement is, okay, now invite them to your church after. Because mm-hmm. now they've seen this community, they've seen the success, but now let's get them plugged into the local church. Bro. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm all about. I didn't have that. Yeah. I, all I had was these Five youth pastors that are theologians, 19 years old, just preaching Jesus. None of them are cool. I don't have nowhere to take them. Yeah. So I never bought my friends. Yeah. So I'm like, let me create something where people can bring their friends and experience Jesus for the first yeah. time. That's why the worship night was, you could say, so successful because it's in the middle of downtown. It's not a church. People are already there. Yo, this is crazy. It's not one name of a church. I think the reason why several so successful because we're not a church, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, we're literally just a ministry trying to reach people with the the loss that looks so different. Yeah. Well, and I think you also don't, you don't have an agenda to, to make money, right? It's all about, it's all about the gospel. And I 100% agree. I don't think anybody, I mean, the gospel's free. It was, it was free for us. That's you know? what we, that was our campaign. The gospel is free. Yeah. So, I mean, you put a number to that. That's, I mean, you're missing the mark. And I think kind of just while you were talking, um, I was reminded of, you know, when Jesus sent out, you know, the disciples into the into the cities. Right. And he tells them, do not take anything, even if they offer you anything. I want basically what he's saying is I want you to learn how to live on only me, on only the gospel, because that's what it's going to be. He's like, when I'm gone, that's what you're going to be doing. You're going to yeah. be going out into the world. You got to figure it out. And, and I have to be enough. And and. Obviously, I know there's, you know, things cost money and stuff like that. And there's that's a whole other conversation. But like the gospel, you're selling Jesus. That should never be it for any church, any conference, any ministry. And I, I agree. I don't think it's ministry anymore. The moment you start to charge for Jesus. Um, so and I, I think especially if you're you're resonating a lot with young people. Right. 
I mean, and that's kind of your, your demographic. These young people who might not maybe come from, a, you know, they don't have an extra 150 bucks, you know, to, to spend on Because they don't, concert. bro. The reality is I can't go to the Lecrae tour because it's 150 <clears throat> bucks. Right. One, because I don't care about who Lecrae is. And two, I can't afford that. Mm-hmm. I know who we're trying to reach, but I right. know that the person that can afford the 150 is going to show up no matter what because it's free. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we got to balance it out, bro. Yeah, that's awesome, bro. It's so, so hard, bro. People have sent me messages like, pastors, Luis, we're praying for you, man. We just want to know how you're doing, man. You're making all this money now. Dude, there were so many people there. You know what I would do? Me and Joey would do? We'd take the flyer, print it out, and circle where it says free and ship it to them. Mm. Call it petty, call it whatever. Like, what money we made, bro? <laughs> I'm in debt. Zero mm. Fest last year, bro, people don't know. My wife knows though, and I'm so glad I'm married now, bro. Because my wife knows; she sees it. She even told me, "Babe, I would see it before." Because we dated for two years before I was married. Said I want to extend it, but now I see it. You literally put everything for this, and people don't see that. And I'm like, "Thank you, finally, this is why they can vouch for." I'm not capping, like, bro. I sell my clothes, I sell my shoes, I selling my, I was selling my Mustang, like, bro, everything. For the sake of being obedient. Yeah. Hear me. Being obedient to Jesus. Yeah. It's not for the sake of making this cool event. For the sake of keeping this or another event. I want to keep this. I don't know who I am without this. But my identity, I am Luis Antonio Romero, bro. Mm. Without Siervo Fest or with Siervo Fest or with Siervos or without. I am called. God has chose me. I don't need it. I'm not also that minister that's just working, working. They, They don't know what to do without it. Like, bro. Heck no. Mm-hmm. I would not be doing service if God didn't tell me to do it. Yeah. I would not be selling my shoes and clothes. I love them. I would not have sold my dream car. I love it if Jesus didn't call me, but it's obedience, bro. And she sees that now. And she's like, man. And even she's telling me, like, I see what the call of ministry is now. The price. She didn't understand it before. And I says that you're literally selling everything you have to be obedient to what God's called you. And in that, bro, comes this random lady Hey, I'm sitting at the coffee house, but it's like, hey, the Lord gave me the number 12. I'm like, cool, amazing. Like, God, I need a word. She comes back, bro, and writes me. I've never spoke about this. $12,000 personal check. I've never met her in my life. I'm not a church, bro. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a rapper. I don't have nothing to offer you. Mm-hmm. I don't have nothing, bro. Like, why is this lady giving me $12,000? Because Jesus? Because the obedience? Yes. Not as this other random person. Hey, bro, we see what you're doing. Here's just $30,000 check. No strings attached. I'm not a church. I'm not planning a church. I can't even... People, when I go ask for money, they tell me no because they're like, oh, this is entertainment. I can't explain to them that it's not Mm -hmm. because all the pictures, it's wild. It's crazy. It's hundreds of people worshiping. They're like, why would we give to this? It makes no sense. But God always comes through, bro. He's always came through for me, bro. And what was a negative? So people are like, oh, y'all made so much money. I'm like, y'all don't know. I take loans for this. I've never been afraid to say that. Like, to do what God's called me to do, when God called you to do something, do it. See it through, bro. Like, and the benefit for us, if we benefit anything, is people coming to Christ. Yeah. It's literally that. And it sounds so cliche, but it's the truth. That is the bread and butter of Seattle for us. That we're going to serve people with or without that's what, that's how we got here and that's how we plan on leaving here and I pray that the day I die I hear well done my faithful siervo mm-hmm. not my faithful manager my faithful cool. t-shirt designer my faithful 
past my faithful siervo, and that's my only goal, bro. Yeah. And I was I was about to ask you that, like on the practical, you know, because you are doing these these major these major events. I know it's cost. I know it's costing you money. You got to rent stuff. Go see how you much got- the post costs, bro. Go see how much the minimum part costs. <laughs> Go. I can't, I, bro. I, <laughs> I, I'm saying I can only imagine how how much money these things are, and and but yet you want to stay o- obedient to God and say, look. I'm I'm not here I'm not here to make a dime off of it. I'm not here to charge anybody. If God said to do it, it's it's like God's will, God's bill, you know? Yeah. Like he's going to he's going to make a way. And so you've been getting, you know, I guess you can even call them angels of the Lord, right? Coming in and and, and blessing the ministry. Yeah. Literally, bro, cuz I get investors uh-huh that come in, literally investors. Everyone invested this, what can we get out? Bro, this is not an entertainment really? company. Oh, it's not? Man, dude, you're missing on so much more opportunity. Man, you're missing on so much money to be made. But I have the big, like, um, promotion companies that do this for Maverick City, for these big companies that make money, reach out to me. Like, bro, we would like to buy this from you. Yeah. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, I'm like, I just laugh and I'm so happy because we're doing what I know and I heard the Lord tell me to do, bro create something that costs a lot of money for free. That's what I felt the Lord told me to do. And did you ever tell God how? Always. Okay. But this is the beauty of it, bro. If you can dream something and do it yourself, then it's not God. Mm-hmm. I dream so freaking big. Every year, every year that I dream for Seattle Fest, my team are like, Luis, you're tripping. My <laughs> team, bro, if you were on my team, you couldn't handle it. There's people that will probably hear this podcast. There's fans, bro. I call them fam, fans, whatever you want to call them. Just not even fans. Just people that like see what we're doing and want to be a part of it. But mm-hmm. sometimes I have to tell them no because I'm like, you're really not ready to handle the way I dream, bro. Like, it's crazy. Like, I will be... It's insane. Like, I'm like, hey, guys, we need $380,000 in three months. You would sit there and be like, how? Mm-hmm. I'd be like, I don't know. But God's going to do it. And people want answers, bro. You you pastor. People want answers. They want how, when. I'm like, I don't know. But it, but if, if it's something little that we can do, then I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. If Shadow Fest, if the artist is something that I can call and do, then I don't want to do. It has to be something that God has to show up and he can only take the glory. And that's the only way that I'm going to stay rooted. That I can't literally say, I did that, bro. We're yeah. smart. We yeah. could do that. We could put an event. Yeah. But that's God, bro. Well, that's, what's, that, that's what a miracle is, right? If we can do it Literally. ourselves, then we can take the, the, the credit for it. And I've been seeing the miracle, bro, three years in a row. We're on our fourth year now. and But I also know that Seattle isn't going to last forever, bro. We're coming to the end of the road. Oh, really? We're Seattle Fest. Okay. We're Seattle Fest. And that's why I'm like, it's so healthy, bro. People will look at me and be like, boy, you're stupid. You know, Seattle Fest is the next winter jam. Seattle Fest is the winter jam for the Latinos. Seattle Fest is the winter jam for the people, bro. Mm-hmm. Seattle Fest is that. Like, winter jam is for the white folks, bro. We hate <laughs> it. Like, it's this. I can take that, and I'm like, that's fine. But the healthy thing in my posture is knowing that I can give it up and knowing that there's something bigger. I don't know what it is. And when I mean bigger, I mean more f- harvest. I don't mean numbers. I don't know what else could be bigger for us than <laughs> Seattle Fest. Like, I don't know. There might be something else. But there's definitely a bigger harvest. And I know that this is just the vehicle, bro, 
that is driving siervos to wherever it is that God wants for us. Siervo Fest is just that vehicle. It's not going to be forever, bro. It's mm-hmm. not. Like, we never came into this thing dreaming Siervo Fest, bro. Never. Yeah. So why would I want to keep it? God right. never told me that. He's actually preparing me right now to get ready to shut that thing down soon. In yeah. a couple years. And it's not like tomorrow. It's not in two years. But, oh, we've never been afraid to tell people, like, cool. And if somebody wants to take this opportunity to be like, oh, we're coming into Houston. Do it. Come on. Do it. I'm, bro, I'm not afraid. I don't care. Like, you can make a lot of money here. If that's what you want to do. What I'm doing is not um, never been done before. Mm-hmm. I'm literally just gathering artists, bringing people, and booking the venue. What am I doing that's different? Making it free. <laughs> literally. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's people that do free events and 10 people show up. Right. So I, that's why I'm not afraid of it. Because I know who I am, bro. bro God's call is with Seattle's. And so no 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 idea what God is 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 gonna take you take it from here. Because it's for a reason, right? It's there was something planted here. I, I mean, know that I know that it's something to be on the road. Like it's not Houston. I know that it's not Houston. Like this is home, bro. I'm not going nowhere. Like mm-hmm. I made my wife here. And like Lance from the from the Astro said, burn me in the yeah. H. Like <laughs> I'm gonna die here, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah. As long as God called me somewhere sure. else, but but I know that Siervos or just Siervos itself is not Houston in the next couple of years. Like not only Houston. Mm-hmm. Like we do see this being something that goes on the road. Okay. To answer your question, how does that look like? I don't know. Okay. Um whether it's me going on the road. Preaching, setting up tents somewhere, preaching, bringing artists with me, developing young um, worship leaders, however that looks like, I do know that. Mm-hmm. That is Siervos, bro. Yeah. From the beginning of the vision that God gave me, was always on the road. Yeah. It was never Siervo Fest, but we have to build something. Like, sure. Yeah. It has to start before somewhere. Before we can go to Oklahoma and be like, yo, Siervos in Oklahoma, and be like, who is that? There has to be something that people know and see um, and I think that's why Sierra Fest is there but I think it's something can only grow so big so much you know Yeah. and if we're not charging I'm not doing this for free forever yeah, yeah. I want to be doing this just to do it Yeah. but I do see Sierra Fest in the long run to answer your question bro in the perfect world Sierra's, um being on the road bro what's that one African American singer that took everybody with him bro um Joel Barnes came out of him. Dante, uh, ah, Benny, what's his name? Jones, I don't know, but it was this guy that would travel and he would sing. Fred Hammond, no, it's not him. Some gospel singer. He's a gospel singer. He has a ministry. But he's a gospel singer, yeah. bro. And I said these people came out, but they would yeah, travel yeah, know, with him. Um, and that's how I see Siervos, like. Me, my wife, Joey, like, taking the next generation of evangelists, bro. Yeah. Like, I don't want to take the next generation of rappers, of worship leaders. I want to take the next generation of evangelists. Yeah. My call, I'm an evangelist. Yeah, that's that's what it is. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a prophet. And the other one, I know the apostle. Like, I am an evangelist, bro. 
And Sierra Fest is just the way that we're expressing evangelism right, right you, now. You are you're an unorthodox evangelist, right? Mm-hmm. Where we think of evangelists, somebody who co- goes into churches, <laughs> which is kind of weird right there, but goes into churches and, and preaches the gospel. You're taking the gospel message into the streets in the form of something that's going to be attractive to, to the young community. That's an evangelist, and you're bringing yeah. Jesus to it. And it's hard because, you know, it's so easy for me to just be the opposite of, of an an orthodox evangelist to I'm like, hey, I'm an evangelist. Let me come preach to your church. Right. And the, the people are already there, bro. And be this evangelist that takes Jesus. a picture with ten um, with with 300 people in the church. And I'm like, look, I just preach revival and go from the next church, 500 people. But those people are there every Sunday. Mm-hmm. I saw that growing up, bro. That's why we started Seattle Fest. Like, Let's bring yeah. people that don't know Jesus, yeah. that don't know the, which is harder. It's like I set up myself for failure. I made it harder on myself. Well, but that's what revival is. You, yeah. you can't you can't revive something that's already awake, right? Mm-hmm. We, I'm, you know, every every Sunday I preach to a church that most of them are, you know, spiritually alive. Praise mm-hmm. God because they've received Jesus. Um, and then there's a few that are that are dead, right? And they need reviving. But that's that's what revival is, man. You're taking you're taking the dead and and. And the Holy Spirit is bringing them back to life. And that's that can only be done in places where, you know, the, the lost are, right? right? Um, so, yeah, I've always kind of had that, I won't say beef, but, you know, uh, for lack of a better word, I'll say beef kind of with, yeah. you know, um, church evangelists. Um, but anyways, I might get some. I get some comments for that. But I think, honestly, at the end of the day, an evangelist is somebody who's preaching the gospel to somebody who needs the gospel. Yes, bro. And and I think now you have this, like, modern evangelist, and it's like, you're making all this money. And well, all those people know Jesus. And I hate that, because when I learned about an evangelist, the five-fold ministry, mm-hmm. like, what has God called me to? But I felt it. I'm like, that's me. I'm an evangelist. I don't have a... I love the local church, which is weird. Like, I love it, bro. Yeah. I love the local church. I don't care what nobody tells you, like... I love it. I'm like, people need to be in a local church. People yes. need to be tithing in a local church. People need to be submitted to a pastor. I think that's why Sierra is all successful because of that. We've never excluded the church. You know what Sierra has never done, but we've never said, we're the Christian version of something. We've never said, we're the Christian Rolling Loud, which is the biggest circular festival. We've never said, we're the Christian... Um, Whatever you want to call it. We've said we're siervos, bro. Mm. Not the Christian version of this. And we've also never said, or oh, like rappers or people like to say, oh, we're rappers that just happen to be Christians. Instead yeah. of, no, we're Christian rappers. No, like, this is who That's we are, bro. part of your bro. identity. Yeah. This is, we're not going to hide it. And I think God has blessed that because we've been so real. We don't got nothing to hide. I'm not ashamed. Like, what's weird? But we're already weird enough. We're telling you about a guy you can't even see that resurrected on the third day. And his name is Jesus. Yeah. And there was three wise men following the star that came to give him gifts. Like yeah. that's already super weird. So what more weird can it be? That is the gospel of Jesus. So I'm like, if you want to call us weird, whatever, we'll be it. That's why we're not ashamed of it. And I love this evangelist call on my life. It looks a lot different. I'm not here to make money. I'm making my money otherwise with the talents that God's mm-hmm. given me, which is not preaching, yeah. which is designing merch and consulting with people that need help on how to book artists or make conferences. But bro, I'm here. Somebody calls me to the church. I'm going. Yeah, I'm going. Please, I want to be there. Yeah, I, I love that you that you said that about including the church because I think a lot of ministries like this. 
kind of start out as to be an alternative to the church. Like they're like, oh, we, yeah, like, oh, we got, we got hurt by the church. So we're going to start our own thing and, and we're going to, we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. But Jesus is like, you are the church, man. Mm-hmm. You can't ostracize yourself from my body. I died for all of you. Right. And so the, the fact that you say that, like, yeah, we're not, we're not trying to replace the church. Yeah. Right? You know, we're trying to, we're trying to bring these people and send them into churches, right. Yeah. To be discipled, right. To, to, to learn. So um, I talk so, to my generation for that, cause yeah, bro, they they need to sit down, boy. <laughs> you know what I hate, man? All these young people that I've never served nowhere, never went to theology school, and they have an Instagram and they have a ministry. Mm. That's so dangerous, bro. Bro, I was just talking. I that was, is so freaking. Dangerous. I had a conversation with you know Jacob Salguero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, I we mentioned that I talked to also last week. I talked to David Gomez. We came in and he came over here and we did a podcast. But I I one hundred percent agree. I think like in this generation where everybody is going to ten second reels and they're yeah. getting their theology and they're getting you know they're getting going to all these YouTube preachers. Yeah. I think is I think it's it's dangerous, man. Um, and and they're not. I don't think they, a lot of them don't know any better, right? They so they don't. can hear something and and not really know that it's not not correct. Um, I think that is the danger of this of this. It's generation. so dangerous, bro. It's so dangerous. Like, I, I feel, I don't know if the word is checking, but I feel like I can check those young cats because they're my age and I've put in the work mm-hmm. and I can be like, yo, what are you doing? And this is where I always get them, bro. They tell me the vision, they tell me everything and I'm like, what church you go to? Uh well, yeah, but you should, you should. I'm pretty sure that's not healthy. Find a church first, and then they'll be like, "Well, it's my church." Okay, awesome. When was the last time you served somebody that had nothing to do with you? Because before Seattle Fest, but I served a white man named Don Norton, and I freaking love him, and I call him that. He knows that. Mm-hmm. Wearing suits, bro, in Arkansas. Pentecostal AG Church drove him around everywhere and his white Cadillac everywhere. <laughs> there was nothing cool for me there. Yeah. I gained nothing but wisdom, bro. Yeah. Sitting under that man, sitting on how to manage a church, how to run a church, how to preach, bro. I would see here the same sermon, how to communicate. For five years, bro, I did that. Then another five years with Abraham Guajardo. I sat down under people, bro, that did not... It was not for my own benefit. It was for, I'm going to sit down and serve their vision. So I tell these young people, have you ever served another man's vision before? Because the truth is, I was hurt by that. Somebody came up to me, bro, when I was in Bible college and told me, man, the hand of God on your life is so great. It's like they put a wet blanket over my calling. It says, but it's not going to be successful until you learn how to submit another man's vision. I was upset, bro, because mm. my pride... My arrogance, yeah. I was young, and I and it clicked one day. Bro, I have to learn how to serve another man's vision before I can do what God's called me to do. It's just truth. How do I expect these people that come, bro, and be like, yo, we want to serve Seattle right. wholeheartedly. We want to volunteer here and be here if I've never done that for somebody else. We, we, we show. So I tell these young cats that, like, bro, I hear you. What you're saying is not wrong. God thinks it's cute. Mm-hmm. He loves it that you want to start a ministry. But don't forget that the Bible says that we will be judged double. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is easy, bro. But they forget 
the double that we'll be judged because we know we'll be judged at a at a second at a higher oh, standard yeah. because we know it's right from wrong now. Like yeah. this is not easy. But we've painted that. I say we and I take that in category like we painted it, like we wanted them to do that. Mm-hmm. We went to youth group preaching, God has a call on your life. You could do it right now. We did that. Man, you could do it right now. You don't gotta we are the problem. Mm-hmm. And now it's now that they're yeah. doing it, we're like, oh Hold shoot, on. we created a monster. <laughs> We created yeah. a monster because you know what we did, bro? We wanted that, but we didn't want to disciple them, so we sent them off to Bible college. Mm. We yeah. wanted, bro, I'm trying to tell you, we wanted we wanted people to be in fire for God, but what the youth pastor or what the pastor did or what the young adult pastor did, they were so busy doing everything else or building their own kingdom that when these people were hungry, the millennial was hungry or the yeah. Gen Z is hungry, what do we do? Go to Bible college. So they go to Bible college. They get in debt, bro. They're trying to figure out their identity. They're with people they've never met. They hate Jesus. They become atheists. You got Pentecostals going to Bible college, bro, that don't believe in drinking, that are drinking now. Mm-hmm. You got Pentecostals. Oh, there's people that don't believe in certain things that now go to Bible college and are deconstructing their faith. Yes. Like we had them at home. God entrusted them to us and our church and what we believe for a reason. But because we were too lazy to disciple, we sent them to Bible college and they come back with a degree or with arrogance and pride, like you need to hire me now. We prioritized we prioritized education over discipleship, mm-hmm. right? That's exa- that's what you're saying, like literally. And, and millennials are educated. I'm educated, bro. I got two degrees. I'm working on a PhD. But we have, yeah, I, I 100% agree. We sent people off to get educated without the discipleship part, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 now in this this coming generation, I think I think honestly, I think you kind of have neither right because it's uh obviously education is kind of getting less and less um i guess i, I guess it's it's not seemed as as important it's important yeah this, right. 2024 a lot of companies they're going to remove the uh, i read this on uh on our uh, article that you're no longer going to need a degree for certain jobs yeah i mean it's 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 nothing like it was in, in our generation where our mm-hmm. parents were saying, you got to go to college, you got to go to college. That's priority. It's, it's, com- it's completely different now. But now you have this plethora of information where everybody can just go and kind of like, you can you can make your own school, you know? You make your own own course design, right? And, and you don't need anybody's approval. As long as it sounds good, you take it. And so we still, if we're not careful, we still miss both the education and the discipleship. And that creates a crazy... A crazy world of heretics right mm-hmm. so we need we need both right and i think i think our generation millennials i think we were we wanted to be discipled i really yeah. think that I, I wanted to be under we the, wanted it bro yeah, we long we for, it. for it yeah we wanted it okay well I, I go to bible college they'll do it they'll teach me the word of god and yeah. we accepted that pastor was too busy so let's go pay let's go get in debt for somebody that teaches the bible mm, yeah do you, so this coming this generation gen z i mean and you work with them pretty closely are they do they struggle with that like submitting they definitely struggle with submitting i've always said i posted one time i said how is the um how is the how is gen z gonna lead the next revival when they can't even submit how bro i don't care what you say because they're this because that how is a generation that doesn't submit Gonna lead the next revival and i think me and jacob got into one day about this because he's so gen z yeah he is yeah and then we're like I hear what he was saying, but they do submit. But what I mean is the fact of like, they want answers. They want all of this. They want now. But it's also like, they'll submit to anything that is real, bro. So they're not the problem. We're the problem. Mm. Like, if we can be real and honest, bro, they will submit harder than we. 
how we want it to be discipled, they won't tell you that. I think they're just waiting for like, let me see how real you are. And yeah. I'm down. Yeah. Like, if we thought we were like on something, bro, they're like right, 10 times on. Like, the way yeah. they're moving, like you're saying, they have access to so much more. Like, I love this generation, bro, but it's also a very dangerous generation. Like, we've thought to cancel people. That's not Jesus. Mm-hmm. But they have the power to cancel, like the cancel culture. When did you see go, Jesus go around canceling people? Yeah. Never. So there's so much more to juggle that comes with every generation. Right. But I do believe it can be there. But it, you can't you can't skip submission, bro. Yeah. You can't skip discipleship. You can't skip none of that. You can't skip. But we've been putting people that they say, oh, reach Gen Z by putting them on the pulpit and showing them. We've been doing that for years, bro. We've been letting Gen Z and the teenagers do the announcements. We can't let them preach. Like, relax. Mm-hmm. We've been doing the five for five, five minutes for years, bro. There's nothing new about that. Yeah. So when also they, they advocate too hard for that, I'm also like, but we've been doing that too. It's not like we haven't. Yeah. Well, I, I do think Gen Z just, they do want something real. They want something, right? And it's a, we could literally say that this is a generation of know-it-alls, right? Mm-hmm. I thought my generation knew it all, right? We were always kind of educating our parents on how to do these things because we were a very technically, uh, technologically advanced generation, but this generation even more so. And so if they get into this mentality that I don't need to listen to my pastor, I'll, I'll go to YouTube and or I'll go to Google and, and chat GBT and figure it out myself, right? Then that kind of creates that issue of, well, I don't need to submit to anybody because... What's the point? Yeah, exactly. What's we need the to point? teach Gen Z how to value submission. Yeah, because I don't value think... submission even when they're wrong, even right? When, yeah, yes, bro. That's 100%. I don't think that they want to submit. Now I correct myself. I don't think that Jensen wants to submit. I just think they need to value it, even when whatever the case is. I think they need to learn how to value it, bro. Mm. But I think all of this, bro, it's just it's just amazing. You can't deny that God is up to something. Like the survival happened in places we don't even know about, mm-hmm. and God is doing something. It's amazing, but. I do think it's time for us to like just take away all of this. The monster that we built, we need to kill it, which the monster is, yo, I got it all together. I'm a pastor. I got a nice house. Like, I don't have Jordans on my... This is what I hate, bro. I don't have Jordans and I don't drive an Audi, but I have a $1.5 million house. But I'm bad. Lou's bad because he has the, the J's and drives an Audi, but the guy that lives in a $1.5 million that wears the same New Balance shoes, he's not bad. Mm. Like, bro, you just can see the things. I think we created this monster and we'll be able to fix it by being real. And I don't think we need to downgrade to nothing or any lifestyle. I just think we just... I always tell people, bro, do you, whatever God's called you to do, man. And people will be attracted to that. There's people that will be drawn to you, yeah. your church, and there'll be people that will be drawn to me. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. There's no competition. We that's who okay we are. But at the end of the day, know that you have the same power that Jesus had to like heal people who gave us that bro like the gospel is the gospel like that's why I've never said well, I can't preach to white people I can't preach to like rich people I can only preach to kids from the hood whose dad was deported that's a lie bro and we do that to ourselves yeah. a lot like well the gospel is the gospel period no, no matter how you slice it right the delivery yeah sure you gotta change that up a little bit but the gospel is the gospel and that's what changes people it's not the delivery it's the gospel mm-hmm. you know um, do you, do you, unrelated question, but do you, uh, do you deal with a lot of, a lot of people kind of questioning, you know, um, 
you know how you know you, what you wear and what you drive no. and all that stuff. And, I don't I don't deal with it a lot. They just do it behind my back, mm. and I'm like, bro, have the audacity to tell me, G, like, that's just me. Like, they, yeah, they will never tell me in my face. Yeah, they will never, bro. They will never tell me, but they do it behind my back, and I'm like, that's cool. Because the fact that you can't tell me in my face, I already know you're wrong. Or you're just hating, or you have an insecurity. And that's a problem, and I can't, I can't give my time to that to an insecure person. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't do that. Um, for so long, I tried to change who I was, bro. I'm like, let me chill on this. Let me just be somebody I'm not mm-hmm. for the sake of my testimony. That's so stupid, bro. And we start to believe all this stuff. And then you go downhill, like you're being somebody you're not. Somebody, Give me an example of that. Give me an example. Bro, like God never, bro, like, bro, there's so much. Like, I was yeah. like, okay, I'm going to start dressing like an evangelist. What does that mean? Okay. What? I'm going to start. Suit and tie. Yeah, suit and tie. Like, because that, that is what an evangelist wears. That is the truth. Now you have, di- now it's different. And it's cultural. And it's you know? cultural. It's like, yeah. Trying to fit in. Oh, I'm not gonna let my hair grow anymore because I want I, my name. My ministry is Siervos, is Spanish, and I want to reach the Spanish community. Well, I can't do that. Bro, for example, bro, here's an example. I don't know if I answer the question. Siervos is not like the tradition. We're not a church, bro. Right. But I'm never gonna wall out and then put something that crazy mm-hmm. because I have church values because I I come from an AG church. Like I have those roots in me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I go to a non-denominational church now, but I have those roots in me, bro. And we did a workout clothes, like a whole workout um, collection. We did a whole workout collection. And when I do something, I'm going to do it well. I'm not going to do this wack, corny stuff. Like when I drop a collection, a collection means like a piece or just a merch. I'm going to do it well from the models to the production to the quality to the way we market it. Like, that's what makes us different. You bro. do it well, too, bro. You and we, well. you know, people would tell us, man, who's your marketing company? <laughs> bro, it's me. <laughs> people would have came up to us, Lou, who's the Seattle's marketing company? It's me, bro. But to get back to this, we posted this video, but there was no like excessive body parts showing. It's gym clothes, right? For women and guys, there were shorts. And shirts, and for women, it was uh, tank tops and leggings, right? Okay. Bro, I got ate up alive, bro. <laughs> Dude, what is this? What is Sierra? Oh, is Sierra was trying to be the next this. Is Sierra was trying to be the next that. I was so upset, bro. People were. I, I was pointing to one person. He got the best out of me, and I was like, "Man, Christian just can't see a little bit of skin with their horny self." And I said that, and I'm like, bro, I'm done. And I'm I got like, you. Yeah. I was so upset. You have no idea how upset I was. I'm like, we're not a church, but we do carry that. What is also teaching me the mantra that we do carry. But I'm also like, bro, I didn't do nothing wrong. I thought all of this out. Like, we're not showing no gross body parts, bro. Like, it's gym wear. We dropped the gym collection, and you guys can't see a little bit of shoulder because you guys just go crazy. Now you're falling? That's not on me, G. The yeah. world is showing... You see more... Your explore history has more butt and tight clothes than what you see on Siervos. Mm. You're tripping on me, but you have access to me. But yeah. nobody knows the sin you're dealing with. So now that I triggered something and I was your safe haven at Siervos to not see this, and now I just see a little bit of shoulder, 
you're like, oh, 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 okay, oh, oh, I'm falling. And the mm-hmm. demons in you and the sin in you, it's woken up. I ain't going to pay the price for that, bro. Mm-hmm. But I was like, okay, I'll take this down. I don't need, the beauty about me, I don't need nobody to call me, bro. I don't need my pastor to call me. I don't need my accountability to call me. I got Jesus, bro. And before they get a hold of me, Jesus gets a hold of me. And I just said, I took it down because I didn't give an explanation. I just dropped the collection. And I think if I would have released a video that said, what's goody, what's litty, what's popping, what's booming, it's slew, man. We're getting ready to drop our collection, our summer collection. We've been working on this. We have been having people asking us for workout clothes. There's a lot of people that mm-hmm. work out. A lot of our community works out and they want uh, merch that they can wear while they work out. That can start a conversation at the gym. So get ready for our collection. Yeah. It's going to be different. It's something we've never been done. But I just dropped it. Bro, they can't. They ate me alive, bro. People, I got unfollowed. People were like, dude, I can't believe you did. I'm like, I, I'm like, I didn't feel bad. I genuinely didn't. But I took it down just because I didn't set the people up. And I was wrong for that. Did you, did you ever go back and, and, um, oh, heck and redo yeah. it? I'm going to drop the whole collection again. Okay. The whole, yeah, we are. Because we do merch, bro. It's how we pay for Seattle Fest. That's why Seattle Fest is free. And it's people are asking us, yo, we want like gym wear. So I'm going to give it to you. Mm-hmm. But I can't allow 10 people that DM me that are right. super religious, that are overweight that don't fit the clothes just come at me. You know what I'm saying? And don't serve nowhere. Like, But I let that get to me. So you want an example. That's the yeah, best yeah. recent one. It was but a good for example. me, bro, it's been a long time for somebody to come to me and tell me, maybe like four years ago, somebody said, man, Lou, you post a lot, bro. You post your life. You post where you at. Like, aren't you afraid? I'm like, bro, you tripping. Like, I don't got nothing to hide. My dad would always tell me, okay, nah, there, nah, there, man, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I ain't got nothing to hide. Well, you ain't no... Somebody's going to pull it to your house. They know your car. I'm like, boy, I ain't tripping. I don't got nothing to hide. I got dirt on me. I did a lot of bad stuff. Before Jesus and during Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Do you want to find dirt on you? You can find it, bro. But Pastor Abe always taught me to run as far, as hard as I can to Jesus and leave that behind me, mm-hmm. bro. Like, So I don't have to hide none of that. So who I am and what I this ring that I wear... My pops gave it to me from his dad. Mm-hmm. This is my ring. I didn't want my wife to buy me a ring. Yeah. Same thing with my bracelet. This chain, I gave a chain to all my boys at Sierros. And they don't wear chains. It's Joy and Santi. Them boys are straight up church kids. <laughs> like, they don't talk. They don't wear jewelry. <laughs> I was so upset, bro, because they never wear it. I'm like, where is it? Oh, it's right there. Hey, bro, house. give it to me, bro. I'm like, bro, what the hell? You know how much I spend on that? But it's me. You know what I mean? And I, I... I also know that I'm representing a lot of people that don't have a voice in the church, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why that doesn't matter to me. Like, this is who I am. But I honor a lot. Sure. If I'm going to go to a church where I know they wear suit and tie, guess what I'm going to do? Wear yeah. my suit and tie. If I go to a church where you can't wear a hat, what am I going to do? Not wear my hat. I'm yeah. going to slick my hair back. Like, I'm okay with all of that. You yeah. know what I mean? Me, yeah. I learned that the hard way, though. Me, no, me too. I think it's good to honor the culture and respect the culture. Um while at the same time not casting stones when the culture is a little bit different, right? Yes, I think sir. that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about, you know? I mean, it's one thing to call out somebody for their sin, but something that you just disagree with because it's a different cultural preference, I think that's a whole other that's a whole other thing. And I think that's what Christians do. I think when we're when we're casting the stones, it's because we disagree on 
on on the methods or the you know the culture right like yeah. like me man I'm a, I'm a pastor man i remember the first week i be, I, I started pastoring i was wearing you know just a, a collared shirt i was wearing some jeans there was a lady who came up to me she said you're a pastor now you need to be, you need to be in a suit and i'm like no why why do i need why do i need to be in a suit right and that's I, I, I was I was kind of getting fired up too, you right. know, I, you know, um, but I didn't. I, I kind of held my tongue a little bit because I, I felt myself get getting heated. But um, you know, I, I kind of told myself like, okay, this is this is her. That's the way that she grew up seeing church. Mm-hmm. She's got a you know she's got a different cultural mindset than I do. I'm not gonna let it get. I'm not. I wasn't showing up to suits every Sunday after that, you know. But like, kind of had to have a little bit of grace with with her a little bit. Um, and I, I think that we have to, we have to realize that more often than not, that's what we're, that's what we're dealing with a lot of times, man. It's just we're Christians kind of, that, bro. Yeah. but it's crazy. Like you said right now, you said, um, culture and all that, but I think a lot of times we try to justify what we do with culture. Like I can be like, yo, this is my culture. Yeah. You guys grew up around church suits. My culture, I grew up around gold teeth, diamond chains. Mm-hmm. I grew up around riding. That is my culture, bro. Yeah. That is my culture. What I will not do is justify what I'm doing because of my culture, bro. I cannot do that. I can't do that. I can't go out here and wild out. Justify and, sin is what you're Justify about. just, I don't even say just sin, just justify stuff that people don't agree with. Like justify okay. like so much stuff, bro. Like I've been on the other two where I've called out, mm-hmm. not the point where like, hey, you're not wearing a suit, but just there's a Christian rapper that would rap without a shirt. Okay. He didn't have a shirt on. He's inside of a church rapping without a shirt. It's a yeah. t-shirt. And I just been like, bro, I love you. I rock with you. I'm here. I spend my money to come see you for you to entertain me. But what's up with the no t-shirt, bro? Mm-hmm. Like, nipples is out, dog. Like, what's y'all tied it up? Like, explain this to me, please. What's who I am, bro? That's my culture. And I was like, I, I ain't going to win with this guy. And I walked away. I can't do that. I can't be like, it's just who I am. That's not true, bro. I do believe that when we grow in Christ, we're a product of our environment. Mm-hmm. That's like me saying, well, I smoke weed as part of my culture. Right. My family says, dope. We grow this. We roll this. Mm-hmm. We got smoking for fun. Like, I do it because I don't have no way out. Like, I could literally say here and be like, it's part of my yeah, culture. Yeah, we should blame everything on, on It's medical. Yeah. I have a medical card for it. I can give you every reason that I knew in my maturity of Christ, like, Yo, culture or not, that's not what God wants for me. Mm-hmm. So I think it's I think there's a fine line between that, like even with what I am and what I wear. Like to go back to that, you asking me, has somebody ever came to me? No, but I watched a lot of pe- my community do it to other pastors, and they'd be like, "Dang, bro, he's wearing two thousand dollar pair of shoes, but the church struggling." So I paid attention to that when I was in Bible college, and we would do that. Mm-hmm. I said, I can never do that. What people don't know, bro, is I wear the same pair of Yeezys, the same style of Yeezys, but I have like 10 pairs of them. And people have always thought, bro, how do you keep that pair so clean? It's the same (laughs) shoe, just different pair. Yeah. Do I want to go ahead and buy the $2,000 pair of Unions, Jordans, LA, because I'm a creative, bro, because Virgil died and I just just like a crazy creative piece? I want to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, I can't. And people could disagree with me. Be like, Luis, you should be able to do whatever you want. I can't, bro. I can't be here having $2,000 pairs of shoes in my house 
while I'm presenting the gospel, wearing while I'm presenting the gospel. This is another thing. We're trying to we preach the gospel to kids, bro, that are attracted to the way we look. And then we tell them this could be you too. And what they're looking at is just your shoes and how you dress and they're not even paying attention to right. Jesus. But the, this is what breaks my heart, but there's so many pastors that wear fake sneakers. And I went on this rant, and I got, bro, people were like, why do you care? You know why I care, bro? Because we're lying to this generation. We're getting up there with fake essentials, which essentials mm. not even expensive. It's $90. That's what you're going to spend at an Old Navy or at an Abercrombie. So you don't got to buy fake essentials. There's people wearing fake Jordans, bro, that cost five, $600, fake dunks, off-whites. To get on a pulpit and preach... And if I'm that kid and I'm looking at you, I'm like, man, I could do it. God loves me too. If I just get rid of pornography, if I just listen to my mom, if I just obey my parents, if I just do all that, then God can bless me like he blesses Pastor Lou. Mm. And that's a lie because the reality is, bro, these shoes cost 500 but I bought them from China for $50. You're lying to these people. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean by culture. Like, we all of that, that's why I can't do that, bro. Like, I have a fine line to what I do, bro. Like, people don't know I shop at Walmart a lot. Like, I don't care, bro. Like, <clears throat> I shop at Walmart a lot. Like, clothes from Walmart. Like, it's just a so, lot because we're in a different place, bro. You know that. So what if what if what if the preacher just wanted some some J's, but he didn't want to pay with the J price, and uh, so he 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 gets some fake ones. What what would be the uh, what would you hope that he would do? Let people know. If the preacher wanted some J's but didn't want to pay the J price, yeah, I, I guess I'm going. I'm I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I guess, no, I, I know what you're my, trying to do. Yeah, I'm trying to put myself in his fake shoes. <laughs> Not that he can't afford it. He doesn't. He doesn't want to pay that. Well, I guess my the root of my question is, you know, if if somebody looks at him and calls him out. Kind of like in the same way that they did with you, like mm -hmm. on Instagram. Hey, man, those are fake shoes, all this. You're sending this, this this message, right? And then he feels like, man, I can't do anything. I can't even buy myself some fake shoes. Basically, he feels the way that you felt when a you know, homeboy right, called right, you. Right, right, right. That's true. What would I say to them or why? Yeah, or, or, or I guess what, what type of message, like, what would you want me as a preacher wearing some fake shoes to... To like to, I would say, bro, you're that insecure. Okay. <laughs> All right. You're so insecure that you gotta buy fake shoes. <clears throat> you're saying the gospel doesn't have enough power. But what if he just wants? What if it's not not about the gospel? What if it's just about his his personal well, preferences I, of of wardrobe? I, I see what you mean. <laughs> but I could never see that. I don't know why somebody would want a fake old navy sweater. <laughs> yeah. Just to save money, but I'm, but so I guess what I'm saying is, even that seems to be a, a cultural preference thing, right? Whereas somebody, I'm like, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna buy anything fake, and somebody else is like, well, I can't afford the real stuff, which I'm, I'm in agreement with right. you too. So like, if, man, you just, if you can't real, afford the real stuff, don't do it. If you can't afford the real stuff, why get the fake stuff? Yeah, I'm, I mean, that's I'm, like with I'm with anything you. else in your life, bro. Like, you know, what my dad always taught me, like we didn't have much. But what we did have was nice and take care of it. Mm -hmm. What I'm not going to do is go to Amazon and buy the screen case, bro. Mm -hmm. The cases that be like, I could buy that case for $10 on Amazon. <laughs> and Apple was like, this was $100. They're like, bro, but I could buy it on Amazon for 10 Okay. 
How many times have you bought that freaking case on Amazon? Ten times, bro. Because it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Why will you continue to buy the fake one or the cheaper one when you could just buy the real one if you just want them? If, if money's not the case and you just don't want to spend $300 on shoes but you still want the shoes and you want to buy fake shoes, I would say go for it. There's generally no problem, bro. Yeah. That's why I'm having a hard time with <laughs> the question because I want to find a problem. There is no problem. Yeah. There yeah. is no problem. My thing is, I think, is the message... That will portray. I also don't think you need to get out and say, "I'm wearing fake shoes." Yeah, I'm wearing fake Jordans. Yeah. Like, yeah, and, and I mean the. And nobody's gonna tell, bro. This day they make shoes that are, <sighs> they look so real, bro. Like now you have the same people, and I know this because yeah. I, I'm in this industry and merchandise and importing stuff from China. Like it looks so real and legit. But my, I, I, I would say it's a hard posture thing. Like, I'm with, I'm with you. Like if it's I, a hard posture. I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm with you. I, and and the, the issue wasn't even about the fake shoes. That was just an example. I guess my my bigger question was kind of going back to the whole you know the whole cultural preferences thing. Like you know we can we we can be quick to call someone out when not they're not necessarily sinning, but they're doing something different than the way that we would do it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And we need to be okay with not voicing our opinion on that. And that's me. Like I shouldn't care if you're wearing fake shoes or not. I shouldn't, but when I well, know, I guess, like, I guess in public, I mean, obviously you're gonna care. No, I really shouldn't. I'm not. I'm sitting here. It's none of my business. <laughs> what I care is that we just keep. We when you're buying them to portray something you're not. Yeah. For this persona where you want kids yeah, to love I, you and be a sneakerhead. I hear you. That's a problem. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, you don't. Want, you don't want to. Yeah, you don't want to sell a fake version of yourself, basically, right? To anybody, right? Yeah. And then, and then want. Want kids to model after that. That's kind of that's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. We're doing. We keep saying Gen Z one's real. They wearing fake shoes. Exactly. Yeah. I'm real, bro. I'm real. I just don't want. I just wear fake shoes. Yeah. But I'm as real as they come. I just wear fake shoes. I don't buy. I don't buy fake stuff, man. If I can't afford it, I'm just gonna buy the real cheap stuff, bro. Yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> but it really doesn't matter. It's like a petty conversation. Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> when I went out, bro, people were on me. <laughs> Cause they knew all the pastors that wear fake shoes. We know all of them, bro. Yeah. But it's but then that's a problem. Now you're giving in people ammo to use against you because you're wearing these two thousand dollars shoes that they don't know they're right. fake, but the church is struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, again, and I'm, I feel like yeah, we're dragging out this conversation, uh, this particular part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it's it's interesting because I've I've been on the the. What is it? Preachers with sneakers page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, th that's what they're doing. They're calling out preachers who are wearing these real expensive shoes, right? And they're like, man, they're, again, kind of kept, in, in a way, casting stones. Yeah. But on the other end, it's like, okay, now you have a preacher who's wearing nicer shoes, but they're at, at, a, at a price that he can afford, and maybe they're not the real stuff, and the same thing, boom, casting stone. So it's like, either way you go, I guess the, the, the to end this part of the conversation, there's no pleasing people, right? Yeah. There really <laughs> isn't. Because you're like, okay, Lou, I bought the real shoes, now work. But now you're mad because I got the real shoes. And yeah, and you spent too much. Yeah. Now you spent too much. There's no pleasing. Yes, bro. There's no pleasing. Whether they're fake. Okay, well, I like the shoes so much, Lou, that I'm going to buy the fake ones and I spend a lot of money because that was your argument. Mm -hmm, you spent mm -hmm. $500. I only spent 50 What's the argument now? Yeah. They're fake? You never win, bro. Exactly. You never win. Yeah. That's why I just decide to be me. Yeah. And be like, I'm not going to win. And I'm going to wear what I want to wear. And be how I am. Yeah. But also be like, well, I have my lines, my guidelines. Like, yo. Uh, that's all we can do, man. I mean, at least if we're being the real us, 
you know, people are going to criticize the real us. Yeah. Right. And I mean, if you don't like it, you, you don't like it. Yeah. I mean, at the end of but the day. But it's also seasons, bro. They're talking about, the, I ain't got kids right now. When I got kids, I ain't going to afford that. <laughs> no matter how much money I make in the future. Like, I don't have kids right now. I can't, I can't, in picture, I can't picture you without the, the, the loot drip, bro. That's, bro, like, you know what I mean? I don't have kids right now. A lot of change when I have kids, bro. Yeah. People think I'm going to turn out. When I have a kid, boy, it's going to be game over. Like, that's why I'm enjoying the season right now. When I have a kid, yeah. bro, a lot of change. But. <laughs> hey, bro. And it doesn't have to, though. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't, man. But, yeah, kids will definitely change change you. We're going to have to bring you back on after when you have kids. <laughs> yeah we do brother that would be a whole nother one hey bro I, I really enjoyed this conversation man um one of the longer ones we're at an hour 40 um but i know that i know that your schedule fest is coming yes sir in a few months right july mm-hmm. is it july june no, we're doing june. june july was too hot okay people passed away they almost died <laughs> but they went to heaven at bro, least <laughs> imagine that would have been legendary and i would have got a lawsuit <laughs> It's scary, bro. So okay, so June, you got a date yet? No yeah. date. No, Just okay. June. Okay, June. So be June. on the lookout. June. Okay. I should have a date like in a week, but Okay. June. All right. Bro, I mean I, I love your heart, bro. I, I think everybody does, man. Everybody who follows you, um, they love what you're doing because again, you are real, man, and you're not you're not trying to hide anything. And the real you loves Jesus, right? That's that's what you're about. That's it. That's your you're a your servant, man. And I, at the end of the day, that's what we're gonna be called. You know, that's what we're going to be called by by Christ. Well done, good and faithful servant, right? That's it. And so um, just keep doing what you're doing, man. Um, I praise God for you and your life and your ministry. I'm glad that Houston has you for as long as we have you. Um, do you want to, I don't know, you want to have any parting words or anything else for, for the listeners, for the millions of people listening? Well, don't be afraid to follow God's voice. That's it. Yeah. I, I, I always end that with that. Yeah. Don't be afraid to follow his voice, and that's obedience. Mm-hmm. There's nothing ordinary about me, bro. I have all the flaws. I have everything, and people are always amazed what God's done in my life. But it's just obedience. Mm-hmm. So I can think how blessed somebody would be that does that they grew up in the church, that does have both of their parents, and if they obeyed God, yeah, you're dangerous. You're a yeah. dangerous person. When you obey Jesus. So if you got anything out of this conversation and you're wearing fake shoes, Jesus still loves you.